Welcome to Euclid's Aaron turned to me over there and was like, Nina, you don't need to preach. Sandy just did. <laughs> Still going to preach, but that's true. It's <laughs> I'm gonna, if you have two Bibles near you, uh, you can turn with me to Matthew 3. This is the uh, scripture passage that the lectionary gives us for today. The lectionary is a rotation of scriptures that change over every three years, and they guide the church in... Um, the life of Jesus starting from Christmas all the way to Easter and to Pentecost and beyond every single year so that we every single year re-enter the story of Jesus. And this is the story of Jesus for this Sunday, for the uh, first Sunday in Epiphany, the season where we reflect on Jesus' ministry. And our passage for today takes us to the Middle Eastern wilderness. And so I invite you, if you would like to, to close your eyes and Imagine yourself there with me, with all of us. We're in the wilderness. There are trees rustling in the wind. The air smells like salt water. Bugs are crawling around the vegetation that lines the seashore. We're at the Jordan River. And the ground is hot and sandy. And in this wilderness is... Not solitude, as you often get in wild places, but actually, this time, there's a large, bustling crowd. They're visiting a strange man. This strange man has a diet of locusts and honey. This strange man wears camel fur. And I imagine that some of them are there merely to witness this spectacle, this strange man with a strange diet and strange clothes. Some of them might have been there because they kind of wanted to get the latest gossip and who from their town is engaging in this strange dunking ritual that this camel fur guy is on about. But in this large bustling crowd, maybe not a not so unlike our crowd this morning here at 130 Victoria North, I imagine that most people are actually there simply because they've heard the good news of the kingdom and they want to know what it's about. The people are there because they're actually just earnestly seeking God. So we find ourselves in the wilderness in a large crowd, and here's what happens. We're, gonna, we're in Matthew 3, we're going to be starting at verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the river Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, actually, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water 
And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. And so a, a person walks through this crowd in the wilderness. And actually the crowd would have just continued with their bustle and noise, no concern for this guy coming through. He's from Galilee, I think, Nazareth, I don't know. I think he's a carpenter. They would have no interest in this just commoner who spent all his time doing actually all the same things that they were doing. They, you know, this guy, he went to the grocery store like everyone else. He um, made his bed like everyone else in the morning. He was just humbly building a quiet career like anyone else. This guy walking through the crowd had no public ministry at this point. He had no followers. In fact, John himself wouldn't have even known who this guy was, except that they were cousins. They would have grown up together. They were cousins. But to everyone else, Jesus was ordinary at this point and anonymous. So the plain carpenter gets baptized by the strange camel fur guy. And the craziest, weirdest thing happens. He comes out of the water, dripping in salty seawater, and, and what happens is that the clouds open up in the sky in that moment. Funny little coincidence. And water, or uh, sorry, light beams down on the carpenter. And shafts of sunlight are just glistening in the sea, I imagine. And there's a spirit that kind of looks like a dove. I imagine that they wouldn't have even really known how to describe it, but it, it said it looked kind of like a dove. And I don't know what that would have looked like, but I imagine that whatever the case may be, this crowd full of Jews would have been baffled because they would have heard many stories throughout their time, their life in the synagogue from their ancient scriptures about a guy named Noah who also had a dove land on him. And for that story, it signaled the end of an apocalyptically murderous disaster that he had just lived through and signaled that it was over and that now a time was coming when a new earth would be uncovered. And so I don't know what the crowd would have thought about that. Maybe they all would have had their own interpretation of what this sort of real-life motif means for them. But whatever the case may be, none of them would have been prepared for what happened next. Because a voice, it felt like it came from the same open sky where the bird spirit came from, came a voice. And I don't know what that voice would have sounded like. Maybe it was this booming, thundering, loud, masculine voice coming from the sky. Or maybe it was just a quiet, modest but undeniable whisper sweeping through the crowd like a breeze. I don't know. 
But whatever it was, it came from the same place as the bird spirit. And it said words that would have simply baffled the crowd. It said, this is my son who I love. I am delighted with him. And the crowd must have just been looking at each other going like, who is this carpenter from, I don't know, Galilee, Nazareth? Who is this guy? <laughs> and I'm sure they would have been asking another question. They would have been asking, this kingdom that John is on about, what is this? And by beginning his soon-to-be very public ministry this way, Jesus the carpenter reveals something about the kingdom that John was on about and that Jesus would then be on about. But, but more than that, about something deeply planted, like a seed in the ground of the Christ tradition and its spiritual life. And this reality is for all of us who follow this God. And the reality is this. The reality is that before any of us did or didn't try and fail or try and succeed, before any of us made any decisions that all of us so often make about how we could be loved by people, whether it be how we dress or how we act or how we post on social media or how we say the things we say about the things we say them about before, actually before any of us were even born, there was, and this is the reality Jesus reveals, there was a voice that came down from heaven saying of you, this is my child who I love. With them I am delighted. Have you heard that voice? The reality is that there is a love that precedes everything, that precedes actually all things that exist, that precedes the genesis of the whole earth. There is an unwavering, we could call it a loving, contemplative attention that is given to you and to all things before any of us could even grasp what that means. This is an eternal, unchanging disposition of love that the God revealed in Jesus has for all his creatures, including you. Have you heard that voice? Henry Nouwen is a Catholic priest and a writer, and he has this quote that I would really love to share with you this morning from his book, Life of the Beloved. I think it gets at the heart of this story perfectly. He says, even in the midst of the painful reality of our lives, we have to dare to reclaim the truth that we are God's beloved ones. Even when our world does not love us, 
As long as we allow our parents, siblings, teachers, friends, and lovers to determine whether we are beloved or not, we are caught in the net of a suffocating world that accepts or rejects us according to its own agenda of affectivity and control. The great spiritual battle begins, he says, and, and never ends with the reclaiming of our belovedness. Long before any human being saw us, we are seen with God's loving eyes. Before anyone heard us cry or laugh, we are heard by our God who is all ears for us. Long before any person spoke to us in this world, we are spoken to by a voice of eternal love. That's the good news. And I gotta say, even though I can honestly say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and even though I know that this is like the best, I know cognitively that this is the best good news I can possibly imagine. And even when I hear it, I'm like, wow, it's very good news. And even though I've sat with this reality and I've actually felt this reality, and I imagine that if you're here this morning, you've probably felt it too at some point in your life. Even though all that, I still find myself anxiously seeking affirmation in a zillion other spaces other than here. You know what I mean? Henry Nouwen calls this searching for unconditional love where it can't be found. And it's a habit that I, I think will probably follow all of us around for the rest of our lives because I think it's just a human thing. But if left unchecked, if left unchecked, it can eat you up from the inside out and kill your soul. And so this morning as we, as we kind of settle into the new year and look ahead and think of all the ways that we could improve ourselves, come to church more often, do all the good things that we could think of doing to improve ourselves in 2023, best self, best year, whatever it is that we like to do at this time of year. As we center ourselves for a new year, I, I want to urge you to take on just one simple practice, just one practice for the new year. And, and that's this. When you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off, you get ready for the day. Before you do anything else, before you go on to your first thing, before you try and fail or try and succeed, before you put your energy into anything, before you act on anything, before you go about your, your public ministry, whether that be your social work job or your parenting or your grandparenting or your, um, I don't know, your hospital job or whatever it is that you keep busy with throughout the day, before you do your public ministry, just just sit for one minute, for literally just 60 seconds if that's what you got. Ideally, maybe about 10 minutes of silence, but even just one minute. And listen. Listen for the voice, the voice that 
does exist according to, according to the story, according to our Jesus. Listen for this voice coming from the spirit, perhaps even just an inner spirit, a spirit in, in your soul, in your gut. Listen for an inner spirit coming to you saying simply, you are the beloved. You, you are. You are the beloved. Listen for that voice. After Jesus had been spoken to by his voice of eternal love coming to him from God, he actually went off and spent 40 days in the wilderness. That's the next story after this one. And this is something that often happens in the life of followers of Jesus too. We hear who we are and then we go off into the wilderness to be to be to to have that identity contested. This is a pattern in the life of followers of the way. Jesus had that happen to him. He went off into the wilderness to fight off lies that said he was not in fact beloved. And he emerged from that with a deep enough soul level knowledge that nothing that he could or couldn't do will change his status as a person who is firstly loved by God. This God who has the highest standards and yet who washes all of those in a baptism of grace for all people. And he calls us, therefore, to just simply say yes to what he calls you to do, not what your morality guru tells you to do, not what your Twitter feed tells you to do, not what even your friends and family and spouses tell you to do, but what God calls you to do. And Jesus is proof that when we act from that rooted place of eternal, unconditional belovedness, what just simply happens is that we bring healing. And we perform acts of faith so wild they could be considered miraculous. And we speak words of truth that are so profoundly true that they penetrate hearts. And we winsomely, in doing all those things, reveal the God who is revealed in Christ. Who speaks to each one of us these simple words. You are my child. You are beloved. I'm delighted in you. Amen.